Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the BHITB Podcast. I'm your host, Dante Fortson. All right, so today's show is going to be the first in a series of shows titled, This is Satan's America. And this was largely inspired by the Childish Gambino. This is Satan's America. I'm sorry. This is Satan's America is going to be the title of the series. And it was inspired by Childish Gambino's uh, music video, This is America. And in the video, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to give a full review of the video, but there's a lot of subliminal stuff in there. And it talks about uh, media conditioning. And it's not really a song to me, in my opinion, it's not really a song you can listen to without seeing the video if you want the full context of what's going on. So if you haven't seen the video, watch the video to understand what I'm talking about. And this is going to be more of a spiritual look. Um, that's why I titled it, This is Satan's America. But before we jump into that, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, make sure you go to blackhistoryinthebible.com to get your free book, Pre-Slavery Christianity. Uh, just put your email address in the um, subscription box. Make sure you click the confirmation link in your email and confirm it so you can get updates and um, other free stuff that I send out. If you're not a patron, check out Patreon. Uh, you can get Red Pill access for just $1. gives you access to the Food for Thought, um, the Coming Soon section. And there's some more stuff coming for patrons as well. I've been dropping new patron sections on the site, so check that out. And also, lastly, before we get started, don't just listen. If you get something out of this and you feel you've been blessed by the episode, Make sure you share the episode on Facebook or Twitter or wherever. Just share it with one person um, so they can be blessed by it too. And prayerfully, a bunch of people will get a blessing out of it. All right, so this is a subject we're going to get into. This is Satan's America. So this subject is kind of touchy. So what I'm about to share with you are parts of history that you may or may not be familiar with, depending on how deep you are into this study. And what I want you to do, if you're not familiar with this stuff, I want you to listen before you decide if what I'm saying is true based on any preconceived notions or indoctrinated religious beliefs that you may have, because I'm going to give you every single reference. I'm going to uh, give you the Bible verses so you can look it up for yourself. I'm going to give you the terms so you can Google everything yourself and find your maps. So you can find uh, quotes, everything you need to verify that what I'm saying is 100% true. And just to be bluntly honest, this study is not for anybody looking for sh sugar-coated truth or revisionist history. There will be no revising here. I'm not going to make up anything to make anything fit. I'm just going to point to what's going on, and that's going to be that. And as a reminder, Acts 17.11, the Bereans received what Paul was saying, but then they went and searched the scriptures to see what he was saying was true, if, if it was true. So make sure you check the scriptures. It doesn't matter what I say. Don't believe me. Don't take my word for it. For all you know, I could be lying to you. I could be a false teacher, false prophet, whatever. Go check the Bible. Read the full chapter in context because I'm only going to quote certain verses, but it's up to you to read the full chapter in context. And lastly, once again, use Google. When I give you map references or historical references, use Google to verify what I'm saying. So we're going to get started, and we're going to work our way from the book of Genesis up to America because it's important that you have the background to understand 
what's actually going on right now and how it relates to Scripture. So in the book of Genesis, uh, we have the summary of the creation. And I'm going to touch on a lot of deceptions as we go through this. So if you need to take notes or go back and rewind this and listen to it, uh, make sure you do that. You might want to uh, you might want to hit the pause button a lot if you're going to take notes. But the notes will be in the um, in the description section on YouTube. And if you go to BlackHistoryInTheBible.com, this is episode 16, the BHITB podcast. You'll be able to grab the notes off of there. Uh, you should be able to print them out. All right. So in Genesis chapter uh, where are we at chapter one. And verse 26, let me make sure it's verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26, it reads, uh, give me a second here. There we go. Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. All right, so let us make man in our image. That verse right there gets all kind of controversy. And one of the deceptions playing out right now, because this is a lot about deception, is that on the History Channel, the show Ancient Aliens, they use this to say that this hour refers to gods as in multiple that were really aliens. And some people use this as ammo to say that um, believers in the Bible worship multiple gods. This is not true. So before I answer the question or talk about let us make man our image, let's answer the question, why does it matter? Or it's not about that. People get nervous, and usually it's Europeans. They get nervous when you start to talk about race in the Bible and the, what Christ looked like and what God looked like. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how nervous people get about this subject. It's supposed to be taught, and the reason it's supposed to be taught is because these words appear in Scripture. Teaching the whole truth is the responsibility of the teacher um, towards those that are being taught, no matter how unpopular the truth is. It doesn't matter how much people get offended. This stuff is in Scripture. So when somebody says we're not supposed to focus on that or it's not about that, what they're really saying is God made a mistake by putting this in the Bible. We should ignore it because we know more than God. That's basically what they're saying. They just choose to use different words. But the fact is, if it's in the Bible, it's supposed to be looked at. It's supposed to be studied. And we know this because of Proverbs 25, too. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is a search out of matter. So those that want to ignore certain parts of scripture because they deal with race or ethnicity, they're denying God his glory because it's his glory to conceal it, and they're rejecting their honor because it's the honor of kings to search it out, right? So it's our duty to do this, right? So in Genesis 126, God said, let us make man in our image. So who is the hour? Let's deal with that part first. Genesis 1-2, we see that the Spirit of God is there, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the water. Uh, we also know that God the Father created the heavens and the earth. And John 1-1-3, John chapter 1, verses 1-3, through 3, says Christ was there also. Um, and I was going to read it, but I'm not going to read it for time's sake. Go, go through and read John chapter 1, verses 1-3. through 3. It says Christ was there during the creation, right? So we have the hour part answered. So we know who it is. But what does he mean when he says, let us make man in our image? What is the image of God? And people come up with all these excuses, right? They'll, they'll point to these Bible verses as no man has seen God or 
Um, God is not a man. God is a spirit. They, they use these as excuses instead of trying to understand the full context of Scripture. When the fact is, there are multiple descriptions of God and the Son in the Bible, right? The only one that does not have a description is the Spirit. Now, in, one, in the New Testament, it says he, the Spirit descended like a dove. The Spirit was not a dove. It descended like a dove. Its descent was dove-like. Um, there is no physical appearance other than tongues of fire. So the Father, we get a description. Uh, in Revelation chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, I will read this. We get a description of the Father. And it says, and immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne and a sight like unto an emerald. All right, so it says he's like a jasper and a sardine stone to look upon, right? Now, if you Google a jasper stone, you will see that the stone is reddish, similar to raw clay. This is important. It's a reddish stone similar to raw clay. Now, if you look at this stone, it's, it's reddish, but it's, it's brown. It's like a, a brownish red color. The same color as raw clay. And there's also the rainbow jasper, which is a darker brown, um, which is very, very close to um, the skin color of Negroes. And it does have specks and stripes in it that are somewhat dark colors as well, right? So you have a, a, a reddish brown color, and then you have a darker brown color. And then it says um, a sardine stone. Now, if you look at the sardine stone, it's translucent brown, right? So you still get all these shades of brown. That's what he was like to look upon. He was brown. Uh, if you go to blackhistoryinthebible.com, there's an article there called Jasper and Sardine Stones, Case Closed on the Color of the Creator. It's a full study on the stones mentioned um, in this verse, and it shows pictures and it breaks down the meaning. Right. So John describes the creator, the father, the most high, sitting on the throne as brown to look upon. Various shades of brown, jasper and sardine stone, right? Now, the sun, Daniel first describes the sun, and some people uh, disagree that this is the sun, but Daniel and John, John gives the same description. As a matter of fact, since we are in Revelation, let's stay here for a second, and then I'll go back to Daniel. But John and Daniel give the exact same description, right? So John, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, he says, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in the fire, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now, this word brass in the Greek is chalcolibanon. If I'm mispronouncing that, uh, you'll see the correct one if you go look it up. It's Strong's number 5474. So if you have a strong concordance, go look at Strong's number 5474, chalcolibanon. It's referred to as copper or bronze it's rarely translated as brass right but yet we see it translated as brass and you'll see why in a minute so copper if you have a penny then you know what color copper is if you're being honest with yourself you know what color copper is you see that 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 description is consistent uh, with the father so the father is described as brown by john the son is described as brown or copper or bronze by john and then if you go back to the book of daniel uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 6, it says, His body also was like a barrel, 
and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of the words like the voice of the multitude. All right, so in Hebrew, the word used in Daniel is nekosheth, and it is Strong's number 5178. It is translated as bronze 130 times and only translated as brass two times in the Old Testament. Again, we see Daniel's description of the sun is bronze. And now Daniel's description is before the birth of Christ. Um, John's description is in heaven in a vision after the resurrection of Christ. The color has not changed. The color is consistent. And again, there is consistency in truth. So if the father is brown and the son is described as bronze or um, copper, which is brown, and God said, let us make man in our image, then we should expect Adam to look similar to their image, right? So um, Adam, in Genesis 2-7, it says, and God, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So Adam's name means red or reddish, right? And so the deception is people use this to say, okay, Adam must have been a white man because only white people can blush. They keep referring to this blushing. They keep trying to bring this up as the um, explanation of red. However, when you dig down and you get to the clay in the soil, uh, clay is usually reddish, right? I want you to Google raw red clay. And you see the raw red clay, and then I want you to compare the raw red clay to the color of a jasper stone. Jasper stone and raw red clay are very, very, very close in color, almost identical, right? So there is consistency here. So the father is described as jasper, which is reddish brown, looks like raw red clay. God says, let us make man in our image. We see that the sun is described as a shade of brown. Um, if you look at the copper penny, uh, it actually says a um, polished copper, uh, polished bronze. So if you look at a penny, it's sort of reddish when you start to polish it, right? It's not as red as uh, jasper or uh, raw red clay, but it does have that reddish tint to it, right? So we see that Adam was a brown person, a reddish brown person. This is just what's in scripture. Again, Google raw red clay and check those verses for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Now we're going to move on to Eve, right? Eve is called the mother of all living. And this is uh, in, in Genesis 3.20. says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now see, Eve was taken out of the rib or made from the rib of Adam. Now, if Eve was made from the rib of Adam, she would be a genetic clone, right? So Eve would be the first clone. Now, Eve was a woman, and if she was a clone, that would mean she more than likely had Adam's same skin color, which would mean Eve is a brown woman. Now, this is important because the Bible says Eve was the mother of all living, and this is where another deception comes in. If you get into some of the Christian identity doctrine, which is a racist doctrine built on white supremacy, taught by Arnold Murray, Shepherd's Chapel, and a bunch of other random ministries, they believe in what's called an eighth-day creation. And so they say that Adam and Eve were made on the eighth day, and everybody else was made on the sixth day. 
And the people that were made on the sixth day are not um, human or all the way human like Adam and Eve. And they, they say this, they, they use this because that's how they justify all the things that they do to everybody else in the world. Now, the problem is right here, they don't teach verse, verses 320, or either they twist it if they do teach it. It says Eve was the mother of all living, all mankind, all. It does not say some. It does not say certain groups. It does not say only some races. It says all living, right? So when you hear people come at you with this deception of an eighth-day creation, it is a lie. And I, I, surprisingly, I find a lot of people of color who actually believe in this eighth-day creation nonsense, right? So if Eve was the uh, mother of all living, she's the mother of black, white, Asian, whatever, right? So this eighth-day creation myth was meant to dehumanize all races except for the white race. But as we've seen, God is the color of jasper, which is reddish brown. Christ is the color of polished bronze or burned bronze or burned copper, polished copper. And Adam, same thing, the color of raw red clay. Eve, taken from Adam. So Eve was likely the same complexion as Adam, raw red clay. And again, Google these images so you can see them for yourself because your eyes, your eyes may lie to you in some things, but they're not going to lie to you in this instance. You're going to see the color remains consistent, and you're going to see why the color remains consistent. So this is going to bring us into the Garden of Eden, right? So Genesis 2.8, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had. This is important because if you look at where people say Eden is, and they, often, they often talk about the Garden of Eden, right? They place it. Some people place it in Iraq. Some people say it was Israel. But here's what happens. It doesn't matter where you put it. If the garden is planted to the east, get you a map. Go to Google. Google world map. And if you know where everything is, if you know where Israel is, if Israel's to the east of Eden, what's to the west of Israel? Africa. If you go to Iraq, what's to the rest of, west of Iraq? You have all of Saudi Arabia, the the entire Arabian Peninsula, the um, Sinai Peninsula, and Africa. But what you aren't told is that the entire Arabian Arabian Peninsula is considered by scientists to be part of Africa. It used to be known as Northeast Africa before the 1800s, which is when they started calling it to middle the Middle East in order to separate the identity from Africa. But we're going to get back to that when we get to the 1800s. Um, so this, this garden is planted eastward in Eden. And again, look at the map. If Eden is east, you have to look west to see what's to the west, and you're going to find Africa. So then it brings us to the rivers. And the rivers um, that encompassed Eden are Havilah. And if you look at Havilah, it in, I'm sorry, the river encompasses Havilah, and Havilah is present-day Saudi Arabia. Look at present-day Saudi Arabia where it is. It's on the Arabian Peninsula. The uh, next river encompassed Ethiopia. If you get into the size of ancient Ethiopia, right, ancient Ethiopia changes in size. In some cases, um, the entire continent of Africa is referred to as Ethiopia. And then this is the river Gihon. In some cases, um, Ethiopia is smaller area than the whole of Africa, but a lot larger than we see today, and then it comes all the way down to the size we see today. So it, it varied in size throughout the ancient past, right? But 
we all agree that Ethiopia is located in Africa. So you have one river that's um, surrounding Saudi Arabia, another river that's surrounding Ethiopia, and as you can see, it's setting a boundary line here that puts everything around in Africa. And let's see, let's see, Africa. So the Hittakil and the Euphrates. If you find the Euphrates on the map, some people believe that the Hittakil is the Tigris, but if you find the Tigris and the Euphrates, you'll see that there's a boundary or a border. Um, they're up in the farther northeastern side, uh, the Euphrates and the Hittakil. And as you come down, uh, Saudi Arabia is just south of Israel. And then depending on how big Ethiopia was considered back then, um, you'll find that river goes to the west or um, southwest of Israel. So you have a kind of a borderline built there, right? And all this, again, was under African control. And we'll see more African tie-ins as we uh, progress through this study. So the, this is going to bring us to the curse on Cain. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. The curse on Cain. So Adam and Eve have two kids, right? After the events in the garden, um, they're kicked out of the garden. Genesis 4.1 starts off by saying Adam knew his wife, and then she bare Cain, and then she bare Abel, right? Now, part of this deception comes in, um, and as you'll see, the theme is going to be a basic war on black people through this deception. So we saw the first one where they say Adam is really a white man that can blush, and that um, everybody else was created on the sixth day, which means they're not they're not living souls. The because um, Eve is the mother of all living, which means that they weren't by born by Eve. They don't technically have souls. They're not we're not living. Then the curse on Cain comes. Cain kills Abel. And God curses Cain, and Cain says it's too much. And Cain basically repents. And people have this false notion about repentance. A lot of people, they think you have to say the words, I repent, and that's repentance. That's not what repentance is. Repentance means you acknowledge your sin and you turn away from your sin. Now, if you plan to continue in your sin, that's not repenting. If you go out and murder somebody today and say, hey, I repent, and you go out and murder somebody tomorrow, that's not repentance. That's just a word or lip service. So Cain repents because he has no intention of killing any of his other brothers, and as far as we know, he didn't. The Bible doesn't say he did. So Cain repents for this sin. God places a mark of protection on Cain, right? Now, here's where the deception starts to come in. You have these same Christian identity groups that teach, even though it's not in the Bible, it says that God placed black skin on Cain as a mark, as a curse, right? But the, the mark on Cain is not a curse. It's a mark of protection unless anybody finding him should kill him. And God promises sevenfold vengeance on anybody that kills Cain, right? So somebody who was defying Cain and kill Cain would actually be in defiance of God, right? So they would face his vengeance. But to take it a step further, people start saying, okay, uh, Cain is the son of Satan. And this is a setup. They, they set this up so that they can, again, bash black people. Because notice, they've already said his curse is black skin. And so then they say, oh, well, Cain is the son of the devil, which is why he killed his brother. He could only learn how to sin from his father. That's ridiculous. You don't only learn how to sin from your father. Otherwise, Seth was sinless. Otherwise, Abel was sinless, which means there was no reason for Abel to make a sacrifice in the first place. You get into a long chain of problems when you start teaching that you can only learn to sin from your father. Uh, Paul's teaching stuff, Zen Garcia and some of these other guys out here teach. So they have this long convoluted theory about Cain being the son of the devil, even though the Bible starts off by intentionally saying Adam knew his wife Eve before they had Cain. 
Now, God is not the author of confusion, right? So God would not be – he wouldn't put that Adam knew his wife and then uh, she bare Cain if it was really Eve got tricked into having sex with the devil, got pregnant by the devil's kid, and then she had Cain. This, this is not how the Bible would relay that. And the reason we know this is because in Genesis 6 it's going to be clear that the sons of God were having sex with the daughters of women. It's clear that these offspring of the daughters of uh, – I'm sorry, the, yeah, the daughters of men and the um, sons of God were Nephilim. They call them that. Cain is never called a Nephilim, not once in the Bible. God has a conversation with Cain that says his sacrifice would be accepted. There is no examples in the Bible where God is accepting the sacrifice of the Nephilim. And, in fact, every time there is a Nephilim, God orders the Nephilim to be wiped out. There is no mark of protection placed on them. There's no mention of black skin in association with Cain. So these deceptions are, again, meant to attack God's chosen people, the Negro, worldwide. So the, the Cain curse is just one uh, more deception. So as part of this deception, which I wasn't going to touch on, but I'm just going to do it now, Arnold Murray, Shepherd's Chapel, and a lot of Christian identity teachers, they teach the false notion that somehow Cain's descendants survived the flood, even though the Bible says only eight people survived. And they teach that these descendants of Cain became the Kenites. And then they find out a roundabout way to basically say Kenites are black people. So everything, everything that happens, every curse is going to eventually lead back to, hey, black people are cursed because God hates black people, or God cursed these people, and they're black. But we're going to see as we get through this the curses and the signs were actually turning people's skin white. Miriam gets turned white because God is mad at her. Um, um, Naaman uh, is, let me see here, Jihazi is turned white because uh, he takes a gift from Naaman that he wasn't supposed to take, and Elisha curses him and his descendants to be white forever. As one of the signs, God turns Moses' black skin white. But we're going to we're gonna get into all that. So this is going to bring us to Noah's flood with like five minutes left. And I'm going, to, um, I'm going to get through this part right here, and then tomorrow I'm going to actually be back with another show to finish, um, try to finish out Genesis. All right, so Noah's flood, right? The book of Enoch. Let's talk about the book of Enoch. A lot of pastors quote from the book of Enoch. Now, some of you may not know that they're quoting from the book of Enoch, but when it comes to race and we start talking about Noah's sons, Shem, Him, and Japheth, a lot of them will say that Noah was the first albino, and a lot of people don't know where they get this information from. This information comes from the book of Enoch, even though they don't teach it as scripture, right? A lot of people will deny it. I don't use Enoch as scripture. I use it for historical references, and here's why. It's, the book of Enoch was considered important to the Hebrews, and so they hid it at Qumran along with the rest of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they also hid um, the book of Jubilees, which is called the Little Genesis. So I'm just going to read this part, portion out of the book of Enoch, and you'll see why that they don't mention this. They get the albino Noah from it, but they don't talk about the rest. And again, there is consistency in truth. After a time, my son Methuselah took a wife for his son Lamech. She became pregnant by him and brought forth a child, the flesh of which was as white as snow and red as a rose, the hair of whose head was white like wool and long and whose eyes were beautiful. When he opened them, he illuminated all the house like the sun. The whole house abounded with light, and when he was taken from the hand of the midwife, opening also his mouth, he spoke to the Lord of righteousness. Then Lamech, his father, was afraid of him, and flying away came to his own father, Methuselah, and said, I have begotten a son unlike the other children. He is not human, but resembling the offspring of the angels of heaven, 
is of a different nature from ours, being altogether unlike us. That's the book of Enoch, chapter 105, verses 1 through 3. So, now, there's a lot to absorb there. This is where they get the albino Noah because he was born white. Why did they say albino? Because it points out that he does not look like any other children. It says, unlike to other children, he's different. It says, he is not human, but resembles the offspring of the angels of heaven and is of a different nature from ours, being altogether unlike us. So if he has white skin and he's altogether unlike them, it means they do not have white skin. If he has white skin and he looks like the children of the angels, the Nephilim, it means that the Nephilim were white people, not necessarily Europeans. I'm not saying the white people alive today, but I'm saying the Nephilim were white-skinned, or white-skinned hybrids. They had white skin. This is where all this stuff comes from, and this is why they don't want to talk about it when they bring it up. Now, that presents a problem because if Noah was an albino and everybody else did not have white skin, that means Noah was likely a black albino. And as we saw, if Adam is a reddish-brown color, then his children would be reddish-brown and so on and so forth, which means all the humans on the earth that were humans likely had reddish-brown skin. We see that the area they lived in was part of Africa, which makes sense for them to have reddish-brown skin for the environment. And then you have Noah born. He's a white baby, an albino baby, and they're like, wait, this is not my son. This is a child of the angel. This is a Nephilim. And so this is where we're going to leave off for today, and we're going to get into the births of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and we're going to talk about uh, tomorrow why people don't like getting into the genealogy of these three sons because it starts to shed a whole different light on Scripture when you look at it. So make sure you share this study if you liked it. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow, and I'll finish everything up. So until then, I'm out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.